And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out and to LGBT Plus History Month. Uh, she's Steffi Barnes and I'm Mandy Shorten and kicking off History Month, Alid's here. This week's My Five, he updates us on what the project is up to. Uh, Outstories Bristol. Sharon Morgan will be joining us live to detail this year's events. Uh, and Queer Story Time with the lovely hands. Part two of the story of Anne Lister. Uh, all coming today, right here on Shout Out. Yeah, we didn't do it any faster that time through, did we? Never mind. <laughs> Right, sorry everyone, take two. For the listeners, it's not take two. Uh, for, for the listeners, uh, computer technical problems mean this is now our second time recording this. <laughs> I'm so sorry everyone, including our lovely guest Cheryl, who's coming up a bit later on. <laughs> so, but anyway, welcome. Hello Rose, hello Terry. Hello. Hello. Hello Andy. Hello. And a very laid back looking Steffi. Hello, how are you? I'm okay, thank you, Andrew, for asking. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't want to kill me yet because it's the second time. Then, <laughs> uh, not yet. Do it a third time, and we might change our minds. <laughs> I, I've got got the folder open, and I can see the recording creeping up. Uh, so yeah. it better blooming be recording. <laughs> I've got a glass of wine this time, Mrs. Rose. Oh, oh no, oh, nice, no, no, you make haven't because we're, we're not allowed to drink it, on air. Make it. Oh, well, we're not on air. You know, I'm at home. Just to sort of make it go quicker. Rose, I know how difficult it is reading with Terry. Yeah, always sure. Imagine even his string vest under the under the stairs. Don't don't knock old technology, you know, like string vest. Because if we had a real to real tape player, none of this would have happened. You see. Oh, very true, Terry. Good old um, tape recorder. God, dear. Uh, Do they still use those these days? Can you, can uh, you still very get rare. Them? I think some heritage stations do, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, you, you can, you can still you buy them. Yeah, you uh, can yeah. still buy them online. Um, uh, there are still places that use tape. Gosh. It's, well, Terry's there with his little abacus under the stairs, <laughs> counting how many string vests abacus, he's got to put on. Yeah, but well, well across. <laughs> Somebody asked, I was trying to explain to a, a colleague a few months ago what CB radio was. She said, what's CB radio? What does Citizens oh. Band mean? Oh, God. Um, really? It, it's totally totally alien to generations that have grown up in the age of the internet. So. Wow. Breaker yeah. 1-9. Oh, yeah, yeah, those of course, there's still a very lively CB scene in uh, the UK. Is so, there? Gosh. Yeah, 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 people still, I have one years ago. Radio. What's your handle? What's your handle? Rubber Ducky. Rubber Ducky. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, no, I, I, I never had one. I was sort of speculating what other people's handles were. No, were but, but I, I won't lie. If you were going to have a handle, it would be Rubber Ducky. <laughs> I totally well, agree with that. It would, wouldn't it? <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, I don't know what I don't know what his handle would be, uh, but let's head over to uh, Alid, who we'll just call Alid um, <laughs> for, for now, and uh, find out what's going on at Brigstone. My five on shout out. 
Hello and welcome to February's edition of the Brigstone My Five. Um, it's me, Alid. Um, I hope you're all doing really, really well. Um, now this month, uh, Brigstone are going to be launching a really exciting brand new project. And I've got the new project coordinator here to let us know all a bit more about herself and about the project. So please welcome to the podcast, Aisha. Hi, Aisha. How are you? Hi, Alid. I'm really good. And so do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you've come from and why this project? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am originally a Cardiff girl, Cardiff born and Cardiff bred. I am from the African diaspora in terms of my father is Ugandan. So my heritage is East African. My mum is Italian Welsh. So there's a little bit of everything in there. Um, I have been working in the sexual health field for the last four years. Um, the previous two years to this, I was working a um, Black African and BME project in Brighton for Terence Higgins Trust. And it is the springboard for the love that I have that is bringing me to Common Ambition Bristol. Fab, uh, brilliant. And um, so what is Common Ambition Bristol? So Common Ambition Bristol is a three-year collaborative project that's running in the city. It's a, um, a project with lots of different partners involved. So we have ourselves at Brigstow, we have Unity, um, University of Bristol, African Voices Forum are a key part of the project, Bristol City Council, and the whole thing is powered by the Health Foundation. So the project aim essentially is to increase testing, increase awareness around HIV and reduce the stigma that we know we have within the African and Caribbean heritage communities. Wow, it's really, really exciting. I'm super excited for this project. I think it's been a long time coming in the sector to have such dedicated funding uh, to do some really productive grassroots work with communities. So um, yeah, I'm hoping with this, the, uh, the successes we've had within the MSM community can start to be seen across the board. Absolutely. Because as you said, it's a long time coming. We've seen the impact that sustained targeted information can have on a community. We've seen that, as you said, with the MSM community. So it's really important for myself being part of the community that I'm trying to target with this messaging, that that is actually mirrored, that we now have, you know, people of African and Caribbean heritage, not just receiving the information but being part of how that information is produced and how that information is you know pushed into the community because essentially we've had campaigns that have happened before where we push information at people and expect them to receive it but common ambition bristol is all about working together to make sure that the community know what the information is for and are very much part of how that information is produced and how that information is disseminated throughout the city yeah, and that takes community leaders, doesn't it? And we've seen that within, you know, like the MSM, the gay and bisexual men community. It has been those people of that community driving those messages. So hopefully that can, um, you know, that can be applied and uh, the African and Caribbean heritage communities in Bristol now can start being seen as leaders in yes. that, that all of them can be leaders within this because hopefully the other people other cities may look at this and go that worked let's, yeah, exactly. let's do it here 
And that's the aim. That's essentially it. It's all about empowering the communities that we need to reach to be able to, you know, be part of the work and be able to make a real difference within their own communities. And essentially, you know, we want to do that in a way that is accepted by the communities that we're trying to access. But it's very much, you know, like you said, it's a, about having community leaders at the heart of it. It's about making sure that those community leaders have the right messages themselves to be able to then empower their communities to do the same thing. It is a really exciting project and I, I can't wait for it to get started. Yeah, me too, me too. So if people want to find out more or if they want to get involved with this, um, how can they do that? They can certainly be involved. Um, so we, we have six community um, community roles within the project which will be being advertised on the Brigstow website so anybody who wants any more information in terms of how to be involved with the project just head over to www.brigstow.org head to the common ambition bristol pages and you'll be able to get as much information as you would like also we've got the common ambition bristol instagram page which has recently launched um where you'll be able to get updates and just generally see the faces of the people behind the project Fab. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been great to find out a bit more and I'm sure um, give it a couple of months for this project to get started and kicking in and we're going to have you back to give us an update. So, yeah, thank Absolutely. you very much. Absolutely. happy to. Thank you so much for having me. No problems. If you have a story you could tell in five minutes, get in contact. Visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Oh, I can listen to that one. Like over and over again. That this is where I kind of want the jingle of Steph going, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> okay, and you reckon that sounds like me, Mr. Shilts? Well, that was how you did it, wasn't it? Uh, it just became, I'll have to dig that out. That was so funny. It's a very, very sexy track. Yeah. (laughs) Very seductive, like, Kylie talking to you there, isn't it? So, uh, that is Kylie Minogue in magic, uh, in case you're not aware. Yep, and so. spookily enough, we're in the same outfit Terry is right now. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. And we've, we've already listened to it once tonight, so you're getting your wish, Andy, of hearing it over and over again. <laughs> Sorry. So, it's like I was about to turn around and say, Cheryl, do you like that one? And I thought I did that last time, didn't I? So. Uh, Melbourne girls for the win. <laughs> um, indeed. indeed. So, anyway, so we knew it officially. Um, a very warm welcome to shout out again because obviously you've been on many times with us before um, the lovely cheryl morgan is here to talk to us about out stories um and uh, lgbt history month so a very warm welcome to you how are you uh, i'm good thank you andy i am uh, at home isolating just like everybody else's but other than that i am incredibly busy because it's february indeed yeah it's probably your busiest month of the year is it not february it is absolutely my busiest month of the year and this year is worse than ever come on cheryl yeah. <laughs> so, now um before we talk about lgbc history month one thing i would like to ask you about is um 
out stories because we haven't really talked much about out stories oh gosh um probably since last time we spoke to you last year um so for, for all the listeners do you want to give us a bit of background about who out stories are and the like because i know you're keen to promote them because you, you you're after looking for new uh, members are you not we we are yes because um, most of the people who are actively involved in out stories are you know, in our 60s and 70s and a bit more maybe now um so we'd love to have a few younger people come along because i'm sure there are people out there who are interested in history and basically what we are is we're a local history organization that specializes in queer history so we we research what's happened in queer communities in bristol in the past we record that we promote it through various venues like our website and the map that we've got with bristol council and and of course with lgbt history month Cool. Now just it's called out stories bristol is it only bristol you focus on or do you reach a little bit further out because obviously we broadcast quite far and wide <laughs> now we're, we're we're happy to do the the whole of the southwest region and in fact only one of our trustees actually lives in bristol at the moment i think uh, possibly two uh, but we've got one in South Gloucestershire I'm in uh, Wiltshire we've got somebody in Glastonbury um, we are sort of spread to the four winds <laughs> good but <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, of course at this time of lockdown with all the tech I suppose it doesn't matter quite so much does it so, um, not really no <laughs> so so talk to me about um, LGBT history because obviously I mean things must be changing we're all completely locked down and normally I would say what's going on it's got involve things at the M shed and all around the place in Bristol and that kind of thing. Yeah, now normally, of course, we, we just have one day on the weekend at M-Shed and we do a series of talks through that day bringing people in. But we very quickly realised that nobody was going to want to sit in front of their computer all day looking at, at Zoom. So what we've decided to do instead is to have a selection of talks that we spread through the month. Then people can tune in on uh, and uh, watch them when they can and some of them will be recorded so that they can uh, watch them again later or you know watch them the first time if they've missed it first time round. I guess that is a plus that they're recorded so you can watch them again because I don't I don't remember us doing that at previous ones correct me if I'm wrong no, I mean, there, there are issues. I mean, I'm not sure mine will be recorded because there are issues with copyrights on some of the images and whatever that, that I'll be showing. But I think some of the, the talks are definitely going to be recorded for watching later. And there are other pluses as well. We're bringing in people from all over the country. We're bringing in pe- somebody from Australia, somebody from Seattle. Two of the speakers that we've got are wheelchair users. They could never have made it to Bristol to do an in-person event. So there, there are lots of pluses to doing it online. Cool. So do you, do you want to give us kind of like rundown then? What, what kind of stuff can we expect coming up over the months? Alrighty. Well, this evening, um, going on a roughly the same time as this, there, there's a talk on uh, Muslim views on queer relationships. And that is absolutely fabulous. I'm very much hoping that'll be recorded so that other people will be able to uh, to watch it. Because they're, they're all listening to you, to you rather than doing that um then on the on the 10th that one's, i think that one's due on at six cheryl rather than seven all right so, yeah. so they've, we'll, they've we'll uh, squeeze it in yeah so they hopefully they've watched it first then before you're you're on live but i'm i i feel that i'm bifurcating that i i'm i'm in two places at once which is really quite, quite clever of me um but anyway you on, on me too i like that was that bifurcating <laughs> did you say 
bifurcating. I, I, I will have to remember that. <laughs> so, now that, that's in the lovely yeah. um, Osman, isn't it, from Hidaya, who um, regular listeners yes. will know from Shout Out does a, uh, a monthly mini cast for us. Um, so yeah, yeah Os- definitely Osman one. Wonderful. Definitely one. We hope you've already listened to. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Meanwhile, uh, on the tenth, um, Michael Dillon. I am doing a local history talk. Michael Dillon, of course, is our trans pioneer, the first person in the world to have full medical gender reassignment from female to male and I'll be bringing some new research that we found about Michael Dillon's life some of it my own some of it that we've got from the very wonderful Daryl Bullock cool. um, give me give me a, just a, a quick background on that what, what kind of um, time um, uh, as in like was it 18th century 19th century 20th century that that, that happened it was mid-20th century. Dylan lived in Bristol during World War II, so there was a lot of excitement going on. And in, in some ways, the war helped him because he was able to get a job um, that would normally have been reserved for men because all the men were off at war. So there, there were some minor plus points, but of course there, there was the whole blitz thing and mm. uh, uh, an awful lot of excitement with high explosive bombs, which is not a really a, a good thing if you're a fire warden on a garage. Oh. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of petrol and if you get hit by a high explosive, you're atomised. Mm, and Bristol yes. was quite heavily bombed, wasn't it? Um, it surely was. There's a little story about the Good Friday Blitz that I'll be telling people. Oh. Sounds very interesting. Um, Cheryl, um, you've got a lot of events on where you've got lots of speakers. um, uh, But have you got anything physical, like in the M Shed, that when lockdown is finished, that people can go and see? You know, maybe a gay skeleton? (laughs) Gay skeleton. (laughs) Well, it it, does it. M Shed does have uh, one case full of queer history stuff, um, sort of pride parade uh, memorabilia and all that sort of thing. Um, but generally things come and go we do have a physical exhibition which has been travelling around the west of England at various venues I don't think there's anything live at the moment of course because we're all in lockdown but we're always happy to put it up again if uh, if people are interested Cool. And um, just just to go back to the events, there's another one on the 16th, isn't there, where um, you're, yeah, you're so, talking to um, a friend of yours, Nicola? Yeah, on the 16th, I'm talking to Nicola Griffiths, who lives in Seattle, but is actually a Yorkshire lass. And we're going to be talking about... Uh, character called St Hilda of Whitby who is a very early Christian saint involved in the, the the early church and Nicola's written a novel about her called Hild in which she portrays the saint as a bisexual person so we're going to be talking about how you can understand sexuality in these very early times and, and why you can make assumptions like that about people's preferences and then on the 24th we have a panel discussion on the history of gender in sport and that's looking at the the whole intersex thing with uh, people like Mark Weston from Plymouth who Mm. competed in the Olympics as a woman and then changed to being a man Um, Casta Semenya obviously a whole bunch of other people but also trans people there's a big row at the moment going on around the world about whether trans women should be allowed to play sport so we've got a really 
great panel for that. We've got Sonia Rerakainen from the University of Edinburgh, who is an expert on medical gender testing. We've got Noah Reisman, who's a professor of history from Melbourne in Australia and has been involved in discussions there about trans women in sport. We've got Verity Smith, who's a very high profile advocate for trans people in rugby. And we have Bristol's own Sammy Walker, who is a trans woman soccer player. Cool. So give us the details then. Um, if people would like to, um, I, I'm assuming, is it a ticket type thing? I know it's online, but do you need to sign up and... It's, it's all free. What you do need to do is register so that you can get the, the link uh, so you can watch it on Zoom. So you can either go to the Outstories website, which is outstoriesbristol.org.uk, or you can go to the MSHED website, just search for MSHED Bristol, go to the What's On section, and all of the links are there, which will take you to the booking information. Cool. Uh, well, Cheryl, it's been lovely talking to you for uh, a second time, although it's not for our <laughs> listeners, obviously. Um, and on that on yeah. that note, can I also um, pass on an apology to um, uh, Asha Craig, who's deputy mayor of um, Bristol City Council as well. Um, she did join us earlier um, for for our first attempt, and unfortunately, because the technology let us down, she wasn't able to join us again for this one. Um, but it was lovely yeah. to talk to her. Um, apologies to the listeners, because um, um, you won't get to hear that either, but we will get... Um, her back on the show uh, again at another time uh, I promise you but um, uh, Cheryl thank you so much for coming and talking to us um, and best of luck with you because I know it's the busiest month of the year for you um, uh, and asking you to come and do a recording once with us let alone twice is quite a big ask so we're, we're really grateful that you did and it's lovely um, to see so much going on throughout the month um, so uh, thank you really for joining us yeah, great to be here, Andy. I've got two other events in Bristol on the 11th at the University, which is about trans law, and on the 25th at Bristol Libraries, where there's a new book called Queer, which is uh, queer writing throughout the ages. And I'll be uh, interviewing the editor. Oh, nice cool cool well look out for those uh, and uh, as Cheryl said uh, do check out uh, the Outstories website uh, don't forget if you uh, like history too um, get in contact with them um, um, they, they do some amazing stuff and they dig out some amazing um, facts as well that um, always stun me every time we talk to them so uh, but for now everyone uh, the lovely Cheryl Morgan uh, stay with us uh, you're listening to Shout Out we'll be back in a minute the Shout Out podcast uh, that's a live and that's uh, by Empire uh, of the uh, which Rose thinks uh, has shades of Robert Smith. Wait, 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 who's Robert Smith? Um, he's the Cures lead singer. Ah. It's oh. Robert Smith? Dear Lord. So yeah, who is I mean, that? Was that not... Terry? I didn't know you went that high. <laughs> <laughs> Robert this Smith sh- does. There's shades of it. There's shades of his voice. There, yes. Yeah. Yes, there is the, um, the, the... The lead singer does sort of like have that kind of slightly gothic, strained... Voice, I agree with you, Rose. Yeah. Well, I, I just really like the song. It was one of those I, I heard somewhere. Band. I heard yeah, it really somewhere, and I, I just put my phone out and shazammed it, and like it's ended up in the playlist a couple of times for us. So, anyway, yeah, Rose, Fran, really are you ready for news? <laughs> <laughs> yes, after Terry's introduction, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, Terry, star. <laughs> For this is I should explain Last time we did this Rose paused between her first name and surname When she was out throwing the news And it just made us all giggle So we've been taking the mickey ever since (laughs) I've always been confused Uh, Anyway right let's get some news headlines (laughs) 
This is Shout Out's News Headlines on Thursday the 4th of February. Russell T Davis, the writer of It's a Sin, has told the paper The Big Issue that the gay scene may have to go underground for a while after the stresses of COVID-19, but that it will regenerate and come back after all the health problems are over. Davis's new series about a different pandemic, that of HIV and AIDS, and its impact on a group of LGBTQ friends living in London, is currently making waves with critics and is transmitted on Channel 4 on Friday nights. Some LGBTQ radical and militant groups in France took part in a broad coalition of organisations ranging from the right to the far left of the political spectrum who put their differences aside and, according to the Guardian newspaper, mustered tens of thousands of participants across the French Republic to protest against a perceived swing to the far right by the government of Emmanuel Macron and, in particular, to register their anger at a bill designed to criminalise the filming of police officers. Footage of white officers beating black civilians has emerged in France during the last year, which has fuelled the country's own Black Lives Matter movement. Queerty and the French and the San Francisco-based Bay Area Reporter have said that although there will be no immediate movement due to COVID-19, in the future gay bathhouses could reopen in the city after an absence of nearly 40 years. Very quietly and with just a flurry of minor interest in the US gay press, the city AIDS era ordinances that closed the bathhouses as being being conduits of the transmission of HIV have been rescinded. In the future, after COVID-19 is dealt with and the 1970s style bathhouses could make a comeback, with their steamy mixture of workouts, saunas and scintillising socialising. LGBT newswires, including our friends at Pink News, have been among those reporting that European Union sanctions against those towns and municipalities in Poland, which have been busy declaring themselves LGBT-free zones, seems to finally be paying off, as the first such region has voted to delist itself as an anti-gay region. Nova Debia, in the southeast of the country, declared itself to be an LGBT-free zone last year. It appeared to stick resolutely to this course of action, even when a town in the much more liberal Republic of Ireland decided to cease being its twin. However, now that EU funding has been taken away, local councillors in Nova Debia quickly changed their tack. The Daily Mirror, a tabloid newspaper whose record on LGBTQ coverage is probably best described as mixed over the years, has published an interview with Jake and Hannah Graff, one of the highest profile trans couples to have a baby. They used a surrogate and some of Jake's eggs when he temporarily stopped taking testosterone treatment. The couple speak of the fact that there are many trans plus people who are are every day negotiating law and the possibilities afforded by modern science to have their dream families. And finally, Pink News reports that Maureen Calhoun, the first gay or lesbian person to sit in the House of Commons, has passed on at the age of 92. She was the Member of Parliament for the seat of Northampton North between 1974 and 1979, and she represented the Labour Party. She was a woman ahead of the curve, speaking out in favour of decriminalising sex work, seeking childcare support at Labour Party conference, and asking to be referred to as Ms, the first politician to do so. 
She was in a long-term relationship with Barbara Todd, who edited the groundbreaking lesbian magazine Sappho, which championed lesbian and women's culture, music and the arts. Miss Calhoun survived an attempt by sexist and homophobic people in her own constituency Labour Party to deselect her, but she lost her seat in the high tide of Margaret Thatcher's 1979 Conservative victory. She remained involved in politics for decades, however, serving as a local councillor and continuing to make a difference for women and for LGBTQ people. She was a trailblazer and we pay tribute to her. For these stories and further detail on much, much more, check out our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt. For Shout Out News, this has been Terry Starr and Rose France. Oh, I thought you were going to do it. <laughs> Shout out news, national and international LGBT news for you. I, I was waiting for the and I'm Rose France. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know. <laughs> Those things only happen once in a blue Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. For more information about Shout Out Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. And welcome back to Queerstory, the pod that's all about those who have made LGBTQIA history. Today I am continuing with the Anne Lister story. I'm currently sipping my tea out of my Miss Lister mug, which I got when visiting Shipton Hall, along with my coaster with a quote by the brilliant woman, because I mean, who doesn't want that in their lives? I do love a gift shop. finished part one with her love affair ending in heartbreak and a woman who was part of the L in LGBTQIA plus was also the woman in the top hat dressed all in black sitting atop her tight black ringlets marching through Shipton Hall and Halifax unapologetically herself in all ways. In today's society, most people wouldn't pay much attention to a woman wearing so-called male clothes. But when Anne was stomping about Halifax, it was a time where this was seen as a peculiarity. I cannot help but admire her immensely. And of course, we would know very little about her had she not chosen to write those wonderful four million worded diaries which began in 1806 as a mere scrap of paper and then became a place where she recorded in secret every aspect of her life, as well as many coded parcels sent to and from Eliza Rain. This eventually became an incredible 26 quarto volumes, ending at her death in 1840. So, let's get straight to it. It has been discovered that Anne's promiscuity showed that women not only found her attractive, but that sexual lesbian desire had been far more commonplace than was thought. They just weren't openly talked about, and of course many women wanted privacy, as many people still do now. Nobody owed anyone anything, and it was their choice to keep their loves to themselves. However, Anne was very open and clear about her sexuality, and her diary shared explicit sexual details. Emma Donoghue described the list of diaries as the Dead Sea Scrolls of lesbian history, which shows just how important they are. What is also crucial about Anne's story is that she was not alone. People say she was a one-off, but there was and is a community there, says Dr Gonda. 
Basically, she was not the only gay in the village, and although Anne is a bit of a bad lass and a womaniser, she tells us so much about sexual desire in lesbian history. Of course, there was the fantastic portrayal of Anne Lister by Saran Jones in the BBC and HBO drama Gentleman Jack. I feel that Anne was portrayed quite brilliantly by Saran, with many viewers being blown away by this historical figure and sparking an even greater interest in her life. Saran said that she found the experience of playing Anne uplifting and was even inspired to keep a diary. It's a lesson in our age about being authentic, she says, about having a voice and using it, standing up for yourself. As you're playing her, you just become aware that you have a right to be a person. You have a right to be who you are. Sally Wainwright, the writer of Gentleman Jack, agrees because the language of the 19th century didn't encompass lesbianism. Nobody could actually call her out on it, and if they'd got anywhere close to Anne, she would have just run rings around them, she said. She had a really healthy sense of her own self-worth. She can teach us all a thing or two. I'd now like to focus on the history of the code-breaking, which is incredibly vast. It's important to note that it was in the 1890s where John Lister, the heir to Anne's estate, first discovered Anne's diaries. John was very confused by the code that littered Anne Lister's journals, but he was obsessively focused on knowing what she had written. However, he wasn't able to decode them himself, and so he enlisted the help of a friend, Arthur Burrell, who eventually worked out two coded letters, H and E, and this was the start of understanding what Anne had tried to keep secret and it was there on a tiny bit of paper scribbled on by Anne and found hidden behind the manor house's deeds that confirmed their suspicions. It only took a few hours for both men to become aware of what Anne Lister had been hiding from the world, her detailed and plentiful accounts of sex with her friends and hardly any one of them escaped her, an appalled Arthur later recalled. Arthur wished to burn the diaries to avoid bringing scandal on the Lister name, but while dismayed at the contents which would possibly and most probably humiliate his family if published, John just couldn't bring himself to destroy them. So instead he decided to hide all 26 volumes on shelves concealed behind Shipton's wood panelling, where they remained until his death in 1933. Many years later Anne's diaries were discovered and gifted to Halifax Library, and a very reluctant Arthur Burrell decided he was honour-bound to give the council details of the code and eventually it was the work of the amazingly dedicated Helena Whitbread who deciphered the diaries in immense detail. Helena published some of the diaries in two volumes. Their graphic nature meant at first they were truly believed to be a hoax, but documentary evidence has since established their authenticity. Work by Dorothy Thompson and Patricia Hughes in the late 1980s at Birmingham University's Department of Modern History resulted in translation of much of the code as well as discovery of the first juvenile Lister diaries and decoding of the other Lister codes. In 34 years, Anne had amassed over 5 million words, 26 volumes with a further 14 travel diaries, on top of that and a sixth of this was written in code. To begin with, there was only a few subtle clues to the nature of Anne's secret. In a coded passage in 1817, Anne confided she was wearing gentleman's braces to hold up her drawers. Anne leaves us this voluminous record that's quite difficult to work with, but tells us so much about lesbian life in the 1800s, says Dr Caroline Gonder of Cambridge University. She tells us about relationships that don't fit the idea of romantic friendship in the 1800s. It's not all chaste hand-holding, pressing flowers and braiding each other's hair. Oh no, it's much more exciting than that. And it's so important that she goes into so much detail about her sex life because women's sexuality has always either defined us entirely or been thought to be completely absent. 
in time and with hours of work, Helena discovered that Anne's use of the word kiss was in fact code for sex, while a Q with a curl denoted a sexual experience. She deduced that incurred across was a reference to Anne's orgasms, which were frequently marked in the margins with an X. The depth of Anne's relationships with Mariana had become clear. Of all the things I thought she was hiding, it wasn't sex with other women. I think the feeling was, oh my God, here is an absolutely truthful, I'm sure it was truthful, account of lesbian sex. Anne Lister had no time for misogynistic conventions of the 19th century England. She was an astute businesswoman, entered politics and even climbed mountains, and she adored women, falling passionately in love time and time again. She single-handedly saved her aunt's home and business through her astuteness and uncompromising ways. She achieved two degrees and was the first person, let alone woman, who completed the first official ascent of the Vincennes the highest peach in the French Pyrenees. Apologies for pronunciation. Even though a Russian prince wrongly claimed to have beaten her to the summit to Anne's anger. He later had the ascent named after him, but a nearby mountain pass is known as Colado de Lady Lister to this day. As I briefly mentioned earlier, I have been to Shibden Hall and the gift shop. It is located in Halifax, a breathtakingly beautiful part of England. Once lockdown is over, I highly recommend paying Shibden Hall and Halifax a visit, as well as Hebden Bridge, the lesbian capital of England. Not only has it been the location for the real Anne Lister and used for the filming A Gentleman Jack, it has also been used for the other brilliant series written by Sally Wainwright, The Last Tango in Halifax and Happy Valley, both of which star the wonderful Sally... Sarah Lancashire. One thing that surprised me was just how low the ceilings were. I'm five foot three and could have wiped my head a few times had I not been careful. Anne was known for stomping about the place, walking miles and miles a day from Shibden in Halifax and back again to take over her uncle's role as rent collector for their many properties, as well as working on creating a name for the family in the coal industry, which did not come easily and which angered many male businessmen at the time who were not accepting of a woman having any opinion at all, let alone a woman who fought to be just as heard and respected as any man. something that she achieved. Anne spoke her mind and it was this as well as her appearance along with her sexuality that caused a massive stir in Halifax. Women, while usually confused about their feelings for Anne, were typically captivated by her. She was openly promiscuous and arguably predatory, moving efficiently from one lover to the next without them penetrating her heart. Anne wrote, The people generally remark as I pass along how much I am like a man, she confided in her diary. Men would often jokingly proposition her as she walked by. Others sent anonymous, mocking and abusive letters. A practical joker had an advert placed in the Leeds Mercury in her name, looking for a husband. They also gave her what we now know was a cruel nickname at the time, Gentleman Jack. And there we have it, the end of part two of the Anne Lister story. Looks like this will have to be a three-parter, so I hope you've enjoyed hearing more about this amazing woman and the extraordinary life she led, and I will be back next month to conclude. To listen to this and all of Shout Out shows, go to www.shoutoutradio.lgbt. For feedback and suggestions, please tweet at shoutout underscore radio. Please do check us out. Bye for now. And you're listening to Shout, Shout Out, Out Radio. Radio. Shout Out. LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. 
the lovely uh, Julian Tito there uh, with Gentleman Jack. Uh, they're lovely. We interviewed a Julian Tito years ago. Yeah. Um, and and they, they were brilliant. And having no idea they would end up being um, the people who did the theme tune. Uh, to to the series that you were hearing about there. Yeah, by, um, although they'd written that they'd written that song years ago. Yeah, before, well, we, way we, before the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we played it back it's then. Amazing. But that was about what yeah. eight, uh, probably even as far back as ten I, years. I think. Yeah, I interviewed them at the folk club in Bristol because they were doing uh, a gig there, and it was so that would be about yeah at least eight years ago, if not more. Yeah. Oh, how time flies. So anyway, yeah, they, they, they were lovely, weren't they? Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, I do. Girls. I love the story of Anna Lister. I believe they're making a second, um, a second series. Yeah, I think they are, but I, I don't know whether that was something that has been affected by COVID in terms of oh, it would surprise know, sort of me. whether they can sort of do it or not. Although there's a lot of TV and television that's you know, and she, she likes her women too much to try and make a, a season where they don't get close to each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's true, but they just all bubble these days, don't they? That's what they do, and then they seem to get away with it. It's kind of a bit, bit strange, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have to admit, you know, I, I don't watch many season uh, series but I do watch EastEnders and the way they've handled Covid has been very impressive um, I mean I, I've seen things like Ben and his boyfriend or now fiance I think he is it looks like he's leaning on his shoulder and if you look really really yeah. carefully you can tell they're actually several feet apart and they're just doing that really clever stood one in front of the other and he leans yeah. leans to make it look like he's yeah. on his shoulder you're like oh how clever <laughs> yeah, it's, it, one, one bit of telly actually just to say as soon as we're in zoo and, and recommending things um, has anyone heard of Dustin Lance Black who is yes. um, Tom Davis' husband yeah. we sat yeah. just yeah. in front of him at the British Podcast Awards a couple of years ago yeah He's, uh, he is actually on BBC iPlayer on the Scottish Book Club. Um, now, there's about uh-huh. seven episodes, but if you find the one with him in talking about his book, The Mama's Boy, it's really, really good. It's really oh. great. It's a great watch if anyone's interested in him and his life and so on. Very interesting. Oh. Yeah, sounds, oh, we, we didn't like a good read. We didn't get a chance to talk to him, did we, Steph? But he, he seemed like a really nice guy. Um, but then, I mean, Tom Daly's always seemed like a really nice guy, so I, I'd hope yeah. he would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seems like a nice lad. And talking of books, we're going to have a book review uh, the winter's hottest LGBTQ books at the end of February. Oh, of course. So, we are still officially in winter, aren't we? When does it turn to spring? Is it kind of March time? Depends who you ask, but March, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I, I was going to say, te- technically, it's the it's the um, equinox, so that would be about yeah. what twenty twenty first of March, right. which is the spring equinox. Oh, I'm just so I'm just starts, liking starts dead, so. I'm just liking it slowly creeping into the I finish work and it's no longer dark period. Yeah, exactly. I, it's just like yeah, it's better, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, lockdown was nice. bad enough the first time round. And at least it was kind of like warm and summery. Um, at this time, it's just horrible because it's so like drawn in. Although the snow was quite nice, I won't, won't, won't lie there. It turned me into a big kid. I don't know about the rest of you. I, I know yeah, um, yeah, Ste- I Steffi yeah. went toboggling on a bum. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yes. String vest to slow her down. You see. It's <laughs> 
Oh dear, so but yeah, we, have we got a month <sighs> packed full of um, history stuff this it's month, Seth? All about history this month. Uh, so yeah. next week, Hans will be bringing us another story. This time, the history of Pride. Oh. Um, oh. Also, later in the month, we got um, Peter Tatchell making a guest appearance. Um, oh. That's towards the end of the month. Oh, he's lovely. He's always good to talk to. Yep. So he's we're we're yep we're packed. Absolutely mm. packed. We're well, no, no better way to be. Although it doesn't mean that if you have got something to talk about, we can't fit you in. So if you can, do contact us. Um, but anyway, for now, uh, that's it for another week. Uh, we will be back next week with more stuff on LGBT History Month. But don't forget, you can listen again at any time on the good podcast services or online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Um, on top of what Steph said, next week it's Poetry in Motion. Mm. Uh, but for myself and the rest of the team, say bye-bye, everyone. Bye! bye. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you.